got damaged. Look at that tire almost went into the into the crowd as well. Almost went onto the front straightaway. Elio trying to get sneaky. And then Laurie Rose, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt is here, and we have the IndyCar preview of all IndyCar previews. It is finally race week, but we are also going to preview the teams, make some season predictions. Hopefully, we don't have to make multiple episodes of season predictions this year. But let's, Matt, let's just dive right into it. I know we have a little bit of news to start off with. So I'll dive into the Indy 500 test. It was two days. Most guys ran, you know, a couple hundred laps each each day. New Garden was the top on the second day. Arenas VK had a crash. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that one. I missed, honestly, most of both days as... You know I was dealing with some car issues slash spending some time at a car dealer, so I missed the crash live, so I'll get your take. I don't know if you saw it live or you saw just saw the replay like I did, but what did you think of his his uh, incident? Yeah, I did not watch too much of the testing. I kind of just followed on Twitter. Watching IMS testing, not really my, my favorite thing in the world, and kind of just Indy 500 practice in general, but I definitely like the fast Friday kind of stuff or happy hours, pretty fun. But during the work day, yeah, it's something I don't usually have on, but obviously it was following on Twitter and yeah, I saw the crash and it looked really odd. It, it didn't look like a normal crash. And obviously conditions on that first day were tricky with the wind and drivers being back to the speedway, most of them for the first time in a while, other than those who had tested a couple weeks ago. And yeah, it, it looked really weird, which is kind of what he was saying too. So I'd, I'd like to think it wasn't really a driver error. I think it was kind of just a, a lot of variables thrown into an incident between the conditions, who knows what setup they were running. Hopefully they were running high downforce, but I guess we just don't know. And yeah, I mean, even the best drivers, sometimes it just swaps ends on them. So it, I'm just glad he's okay. That was a tough hit kind of almost nose first or maybe it was nose first tough to ring a bell but i know it's kind of frontal impact so glad he's okay i'm glad he like he kind of said broke his finger now versus in speed week because <laughs> that would have been a lot more difficult to manage for the actual race so i mean he's got barber this week obviously which will be tough but hopefully it's not too much of a hindrance for him yeah i'll i'll, I'll save some some thoughts on that for later in the episode but yeah, he might have been a, a touch touch below the white line there, but not to the point where you'd think the car would snap on that. So I, I think I think he said or the announcer said it could have been a gust of wind that just caught the car off a little bit and, and made it worse than it was. So, yeah, listen, better to happen now than practice the day before any race. So I don't I don't know if, if you got to watch any or, or use Peacock at all, but I did sign up for my Peacock account and I do have to say it is a much easier process to kind of like figure out, okay, where do I where am I watching? What is the schedule? So I'll give Peacock uh, a usability grade of an A, but 
I I had it on for no more than 25 minutes because of all the uh, personal stuff I had going on last week. So we'll, unless you have anything on any thoughts on any new thoughts on Peacock, I'll, I'll move on to one bit of note from the Texas test and see what you think of that. Yeah, I guess the, the thing was apparently day two replay was up pretty quick, but day one replay as of today is still not up or something. So I think a lot of people are griping about that. Uh, I could, I mean, as of, Sunday night, I think that's the way it is, but I could be wrong. It could have been updated today. Uh, so that seemed to be an issue. And then it's kind of strangely enough, there was a YouTube link out there that you could use. So <laughs> for those who like me who have not gotten Peacock Premium yet, I just kind of use that YouTube link. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. And then lastly, in Texas, so kind of going on two weeks ago when this episode comes out, there was a seven-car test on Tuesday, two weeks ago, a 17-car test, I think, on Wednesday, where teams were pushing or using push-to-pass to kind of simulate the 2023 hybrid engines and and the effects that the power boost could have and maybe would some sort of push-to-pass system on super speedways work. I don't know about you, but I did, it didn't really get a ringing endorsement from from everything that I heard. Yes, Jay Fry, our man Jay Fry, normally is, and I'm not saying he wasn't upbeat, but he's normally very upbeat about everything. And like, you know, when the chassis rolled out, he was very complimentary towards his team and whatnot. And so, you know, on this one, he's kind of saying like, yeah, we got to learn some stuff, but ultimately, you know, we didn't get to check all of our boxes, which to me is kind of like a, uh uh-oh. So I like Juan Pablo Montoya. I'm super excited about Push to Pass potentially coming back in 2023. They used to be on Oval's. Prior to, they slightly switched fuels, I think, in 2011 or 2012. 2011, 2012, yeah, around there. Somewhere there. So they only had pushed past Novels for like two seasons, I think. And I thought it was kind of fun, uh, especially at places like Kentucky and Chicagoland. Um, you know, if you're side by side for a guy with an entire lap, but it's like, oh, I'll just use my push pass and you can just kind of creep ahead of him just a little bit. I think it definitely adds a new element. So um, hopefully everything gets resolved as far as maybe the boxes that IndyCar were trying to check. But yeah, it it, it kind of uh, kind of got a different vibe from Jay Fry, which is usually not not very common. We'll say he is much more subdued than he typically is in in interviews uh, all about this sort of stuff. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. I I am definitely concerned that from everything I. I heard personally and everything that was reported with media at the track was that the track itself in Texas was still not good. I'm just going to put that as PC as possible and we'll save that in our back pockets for a couple weeks from now. Some quick driver news before we get to the bulk of the episode. J.R. Hildebrand is in the fourth Foyt car, which... Who would have thought AJ Foy would have four cars in the 500 this year? But then again, it's 2021. Yeah, go what ahead. You, what do you make of them running the number one? Do you have any issue with that? No, I I know I understand it's you know typically reserved for the champion. But if the champion in this case Scott Dixon isn't going to use it, and I'm sure they have to get you know permission still, or they still have to ask Ganassi, like who are you going to tell AJ Foy no? I mean, come on. It's 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 for the 500. It's not like he's running it at 
Texas. You know, it's it's the 500. I think I think it's kind of like the one race that it should be acceptable if it's not the season champion from the year before. Yeah, I mean, I hear where you're coming from. I don't like it personally. I think, especially, and I know it's not J.R. Hildebrand's decision, but the fact that J.R. Hildebrand's earning the number one, like, I don't, did, <laughs> did he do anything to earn that? And yeah, and then there's fair. the argument, you know, like Michael Andretti had in 06. Well, the team had won the championship in 05. So technically they still had the rights to it, I think. Is that how that is how that worked or something? And right. then, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind. I mean, it was super weird back in the day. Like literally teams change numbers every season. And I didn't know if that just went by like just sponsor say so or how the teams finished in the championship the prior season or what. It was like weird, like Michael Andretti was a different number like every year up until you know, like 95 or something. But back in the day, it was, you know, the champion of this season would get to run the number one everywhere except at Indianapolis. And then at Indianapolis, the former or the previous winner would get to run the one. And I kind of like that system. I think it'd be pretty sweet if we rolled up to Indy and Takuma Sato was running the number one or, you know, like, you know what? Last year, I dig Simon that. Pagano was should run the number one if, if this was a rule. So I think that would be something because especially it's really annoying that Scott Dixon has opted to not run the one six <laughs> of his defending championships. And I've ranted about that before. Um, it's almost like they should mandate that you have to run it. If you're the champion, it's kind of annoying that he never does. So uh, I don't yeah, know. I mean, it's there's, there's better Hills to die on, but it, I'm not a fan of it to be honest. While I don't really care what Scott Dixon does or any team does if they choose the one or not, I do like your, if you run the one at the 500, it should be the champion, the 500 champion from the year before. That's kind of cool. And then Michael Andretti pretty much confirmed that there will be a sixth Andretti Autosport entry for Indy, probably somebody who brings a substantial amount of funding, insert, the 17 guys left for one spot. So we'll keep tabs on that. And then lastly, our pal Santino Ferrucci is going to Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan for the third car. So he gets that spot over last year's Spencer Piggott. And the other rumor was Oliver Askew. So good to see, for, good to see Santino back. That's why he missed this weekend's NASCAR Xfinity race at I forget where they were, Martinsville. So, yeah, that's a good one. Let's dive in real quick before we we jump into the preview. Team Pit Lane shout out since I think we we skipped those last last week. So, let's give a shout out to our pal Frenchie, Michael Goodier, Carrie Chim, and Matt. Both of your parents for being Team Pit Lane members. They I don't are. think I I don't think yeah yeah <laughs> yeah your mom's in the chat. Um, oh, that's right. <laughs> She's gonna have be we really any money mad. Yet for being, have I been embarrassed yet? Did we get any money for that yet? Or did you send no. me any money for that yet? No, no. And anybody who's in, in Team Pit Lane, if you want any embarrassing Matt stories for the chat, we just have to Venmo Matt no, no, two dollars and you, you. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's uh, sorry, my phrasing was incorrect. Anyway, let's we'll stop boring everybody else and move on. <laughs> Season preview, we're going to go through teams, then we're going to make predictions. We'll talk briefly at the end about Barber and make some Barber predictions. 
So, Matt, I'll let you lead it off here. Why did you stick me with the first one? I feel like you did that on purpose. Well, I just talked for like most of the last 10 minutes, so... Sorry, you get Carlin, so I guess we're okay. All right, we're going to yeah. start with AJ Foyt Enterprises. We're just going to go kind of alphabetical order here. So, uh, for those who've missed it, their drivers this year are full-time drivers of Dalton Kellett and Sebastian Bourdais. And then we talked about J.R. Hildebrand running at Indianapolis 500. And then I believe Charlie Kimball is doing the first Grand Prix of Indy and the Indianapolis 500. Uh, so last year they had Tony Kanaan and then kind of a hodgepodge of people. And the second one, I think it was Bourdais and Kellett. And then uh, Kanaan has since left the team. Dalton Kellett is now full-time and Sebastian Bourdais has been elevated from his, I think, three-race deal to now he's full-time as well. Uh, not too many positives to build on from last year. Bourdais had a really good run at St. Petersburg. Uh, Kellett, to he's put still it, there. to put it uh, respectfully, was a rookie in learning. It's about as nice as I okay. can put that, right? So, Mike, expectations for this team this year? Well, I mean, it's hard to have too many expectations on on Foyt, but I will say that with having Bourdais on the team, they are probably, at least with that car, out of having to worry about leader circle money. Now, with Kellett's car... I mean, it depends how much he is able to improve. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot when one of the other teams you're going up against, which we'll mention in a little bit, is, I think, the bottom team right now. But I don't, I'm going to make a bold prediction here and say they won't be, neither of their cars will be fighting for the bottom spot in the leader circle money amongst the, what, we have 23 three full-time drivers. I will look at that number in, in, in a minute here while you continue on. Oh, I think you can go ahead and Sharpie that. What is Kellett the number four car or 41, whatever car Kellett is, whatever, yeah. that, whatever that AJ Foyt Enterprises car is, you can go ahead and pencil that Sharpie that as the bottom leader circle car right now. Uh, no faith whatsoever. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of just it. I just, I mean, yes, you're right. He does have kind of nowhere to go, but up, but, uh, Bourdais obviously brings a whole new element to that team though. And to maybe throw in another spicy take. So you said, I'm assuming you're referring to Carlin as being kind of the bottom team. I think if Connor Daly didn't have some of his heroics on ovals last year, I think you'd be correct. However, I would put, Foyt at actually third worst. I would put, and here's my take, Ed Carpenter Racing bottom, and then Carlo, oh, and then yeah. AJ Foyt Enterprises. Because Ed Carpenter Racing, since New Garden has left, has just gone way down. And Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's funny because you see Connor, and I know we're kind of straying away, but you see Connor Daly go to the Carlin Oval car, which Carlin's not the best team on the grid, and he's making you know, lemonade over there. And then, you know, Connor Daly on the road courses at, at Carpenter. It's just, I don't know what the disconnect is. And BK had some moments, but anyways, I guess we can save that for a little bit. But yeah, so I think Foyt is on 
the cusp, especially with Bordeaux, of being not the worst team out there, but they do have a hill to climb for sure. Yeah, that's fair. And we have 24 full-time drivers this year, so there is... 24 technically <laughs> <laughs> We've got two spots then that are you know potential potentially not getting that million dollar prize plus at the end of the year all right up next we have the team with an ever-expanding lineup andretti autosport colton herda in the 26 gambridge car full-time rossi full-time ryan hunter ray is back full-time as matt's typo in the notes has hames hinchcliffe or otherwise known as james hinchcliffe in the <laughs> there you go in the 29 car full-time marco for the 500 or maybe other races c- kind of open-ended there we shall see matt is andretti going to improve on what was a pretty dismal 2020 for their standards yes Absolutely. I think they will come back into the fray as a top three team again. I think they were somewhat close to losing out on Aaron McLaren solely because of Pat Award. Askew did not have a great season. But then I think Ray Hall, Letterman really took it to Andretti Autosport last year with their two entries. So I think the momentum from the end of last year will help and then i think their driver lineup significantly improved this offseason between zach veach not being in the team anymore because unfortunately zach just didn't bring a lot to the table the last three years as far as results and then marco andretti who has just kind of been the also ran at the team for the last six years now that those two are not full-time on the team which you know has been the last three seasons for the both of them and then you you have Colton Herta still, and you have James Hinchcliffe now. I mean, I'm not saying James Hinchcliffe's the best driver in the grid, but I think he's still a significant improvement. So this might be another hot take. This might be the best lineup they've had in maybe 10, 15 years. I really have a lot of confidence in this lineup, and I think now is the time to make hay if you're in Dreddy Autosport. Yeah, I think this is definitely, you know, since – they were Canon, Weldon, yeah, et cetera. Like years. Five super team. Yeah. Yeah, is is definitely I, I agree there. Arrow McLaren. They got Paddle Ward back who remind me, I think he finished fourth in the championship. Last yes. Year. Definitely yes. somewhere in the top five for sure. Fourth, uh Felix fourth. Rosenquist, who has come over from Chip Ganassi Racing to take Oliver Askew's seat. And then Juan Pablo Montoya, who will be uh, at the Indy 500 only. They think they came out and said that they're going to keep that third entry just for the Indy 500, so we're not going to see Jensen Button at Road America or anything like that this year, unfortunately. So, obviously, again, Pato did great last year. Rosenquist got his first career win last year as well and has shown promise on road courses. So, where do we see this team? Do we see them fighting with the top three again this year? Yeah, I think they... I don't think they have anywhere to go. I don't I don't think they can regress too much. I don't think at this point, you know, Pato last year in his first full season surprised, even if he drops back a position or two in the standings, I I still think they they take it to the top teams more often than not. And having Montoya around, 
I'm sure he'll be around at least for the month of May and and he was around for the test so the the drivers could talk to him a little bit and you know having having somebody like Juan Montoya just to say you know, hey how do you how do you attack this this corner how do you prepare for a race other than eat cheeseburgers <laughs> any 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 edge that those guys those young drivers can get is is huge so I don't necessarily think they are championship content either are championship contenders but i think they will both have a a top 12 finish in the standings yeah i mean i felix is just an unknown for me i mean we know he has the talent it's just if he can string it together i don't think i mean i still think pato is penske bound here pretty soon i think if you're looking at the field colton herta probably f1 bound at some point maybe depends on what his you know goals are rossi is always kind of on the precipice of penske but he i just think he just signed a deal to stay at andretti for a little bit last year yeah. so i think yeah so i think pato out of everybody else in the field i think pato would be the one i would earmark for penske at some point just he just kind of has that feel to him of just last year was so impressive that I think he can lead this team to great things. And if I know McLaren, I bet they're going to try to lock him down for a while, especially if he does well this year too, and proves that last year just wasn't a fluke. So I think he can lead the team to great things. I think he'll outperform Felix for sure. And I guess Felix does benefit from the fact there's only four ovals this year and two of them are at Texas where he did really well last year. So who knows? I do think I'm still going to give that to Pato though. So, uh, hopefully the team can compete because it's nice to have some fresh blood up there. I agree. I, I think, I don't know. It's hard. I don't know if it's hard to get a, a read on Felix because he's so just kind of like low key and only maybe once or twice in a few years have we actually seen some emotion and personality out of him. I don't know. But I think yeah, that was definitely. What was that year that he got like black flagged in qualifying and about like punched it? Was that Laguna Seca nineteen? Yeah, it was Laguna nineteen. Yeah, I. We if if you if you pause the TV camera when he gets out of his car, you will see Jess and I standing behind the pit box because we were supposed to interview him right after qualifying that day. Whoops. If you're wondering why, if you're wondering why that interview never happened, now you can put two and two together. <laughs> he comes over and punches you in the face. <laughs> I honestly, I was kind of like, you know, we we should probably just walk away. Like this is just probably not a good idea. Well, you say that, you know, we interviewed, we interviewed. I mean, I know, I know it wasn't right away, but we interviewed Newgard like two hours after his qualifying at Iowa in nineteen. Super cool about it though, because then remember in the press pool. He's oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's like, how did the qualifying go? Not great. How was your lap? Not good. You excited for tomorrow? We'll see. All right, thanks, Joseph. And then, yeah, like two hours later, and he was like super cool about it. So so my pick for last place is the is the team that, I mean, technically, have they confirmed anything for 2021 yet? Depends if you're going by Wikipedia or not. No, we're not going by Wikipedia. Then no. Okay. So we're going into the team uh, into the season assuming Max Chilton will do all of the road and street courses plus the 500 and then insert driver here maybe Connor Daly if I mean that would probably at this point be the likely solution for the Texas races and Gateway but 
I don't have, I don't, what, what do you say about a team that we are five days away from the first practice of the season, six days away from qualifying as we're recording this, and they haven't even confer- technically confirmed who their driver is going to be for the weekend? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been a tough year, obviously, with, and like, I mean, like the last 365 days has been tough business wise, financially, et cetera. I just wish they'd be kind of, yeah, come on and say something. And I don't think they're going, I mean, obviously they're still in the grand scheme of things, relatively new to IndyCar. I don't think they can seriously contend until they get back to two cars. And as I've said about in, in, in defense of Max Chilton, as I've said before, we can't properly evaluate him again to see if it's a him issue or a team issue until they add a second car. So for all we know, they could just be that bad and Max is doing his best. Or if they get a second car and then Max gets exposed, then we can kind of, you know, narrow that down too. So yeah, obviously love for this team to grow a little bit and, you know, field another entry, but who knows? I think Felipe Nasser would be great for the series and great for the team, but yeah, who knows? I just it's it, it's hard to make a prediction about them when you just don't even know one week before the season. Yeah, this is very Dale Coin TBA as we're heading into the weekend esque. Even Dale Coin's more prepared. That that's just backwards. Yeah. All right. Well, up next is Chip Ganassi Racing. So they had a pretty active off season. So. Felix Rosenquist is out of the 10 car on his way to McLaren. And the team opted for Alex Pillow, the rookie at Dale Coyne Team Go last year. And obviously Scott Dixon is back for his 57th year with the team. And Marcus (laughs) Erickson returns for his second full-time season with the team. And then now they've added a fourth entry, which is full-time. Jimmy Johnson will be doing the road courses. I don't. I don't know if you heard that. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is coming to IndyCar. Are you sure? Is it confirmed? Um, let me go check Tony D's Twitter real quick. Okay. Yeah. Good idea. And then Tony Kanan is going to be running the ovals. So Kanan is back with the team after a three-year hiatus at Foyt. So he is back with Ganassi again. And yeah, I, uh, so four cars, it's good. hasn't run four cars in a while. What do you, uh, I mean, we all know about Scott Dixon, so I don't know if we have to spend too much time on him. So what do you think of the rest of the team there? I am very intrigued to see what Polo is going to do in Ganassi equipment, because as we've said many times, that 10 car pretty much since Frankiti has been in it has been, pretty rough outside of Rosenquist's win last year. So I, and I think Marcus has the talent. If he, if he can just be a little more consistent, I don't know if he's necessarily going to win a race this year, but he, he needs, he needs a top 10 ish. I'd say he needs a top 10 finish overall in the points to be with the team long-term because it's been a couple years now and he's always in that, 13 to 15 range and maybe chip decides to cut back down to three cars because Marcus just isn't cutting it. And, and that's the car that gets cut. So yeah. And with the driver who I am just learning about for the first time today and in, in Jimmy Johnson, 
I mean, the the livery for the American Legion car and the Carvana car is really, really nice. Those are very well done. I'm not expecting a lot from to- uh, from from Jimmy. I hope Tony does really well. It's you know he's just a part time, so I'm not really too worried about how he how he does. But I'm not expecting a ton out of Jimmy Johnson, other than that we will hear about him 74 times every broadcast. Yeah, not looking forward to that. So I think no disrespect to Jimmy, I do think Rojan is going to outperform him. Yeah, and Kanan should do fine. Erickson kind of giving me the P13 in the championship vibe. That could be a horrendous backfire. Maybe he's all of a sudden a god. So we'll see. And then Polo, yes, as we've drunkenly said on our drunk episode, and if you want to learn more about that, message us and become a Team Pitlay member so we can do or we can share that with you next year. I think Polo is going to last no more than or less than two seasons at Ganassi. Two or less. I know I don't I I it's got Ed Jones written all over it here, in my opinion. And while he did have some flashes last season, I think it was a little early to get him in this kind of seat. So I'd love for him to prove me wrong. Really great dude. We interviewed him last year. Really nice guy. Yeah. So I'm definitely rooting for him. It just this this number ten car, like you said, it just has this kind of it's like a Red Bull vibe almost in F one <laughs> of just kind of like choose drivers up and spit them out so we'll see all right let's move on to dale coin racing ed jones is back out of left field and then another guy who you may not have heard discussed at all this offseason roma and grosjean is doing the road and street courses with the potential to do a third car at gateway and pietro fittipaldi will be doing all the ovals including the 500 so rick ware is also the co-owner of the grosjean fittipaldi car obviously ferrucci is no longer with the team ed jones is in lots of change at ed Ed jones racing wow sorry i mean sorry (laughs) dale i'm giving a lot of credit to ed lots of change at dale coin racing what do you what do you make of it all it's 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 a lot to take in on a little team yeah, but I feel like they do this every offseason, so they got to be used Fair. to it by now, right? Ed Jones doesn't move the needle at all for me. I fail to see how that is going to work out better for the team than Ferrucci would have. Grosjean, obviously super cool. Uh, really glad he's in the series and wish him the best. Um, kind of have to curb the expectations a little bit, but I, I think he's going to have a lot of fun, which I think is cool. And then I am so stoked that Pietro Fittipaldi is back. I was kind of bitter when he left, especially just to go kind of be a reserve driver in F1. Then he did a little DTM, and I'm kind of like, you know, it's just kind of – he obviously got to start the one race at the Secure Grand Prix and – oh, sorry, two races, and then at Abu Dhabi. But, you know, it's with Haas. So, like, it's cool that you made your start, but you were fighting for, like, 16th at best. So – I'm really glad he's back here in IndyCar. I hope he can find his footing and kind of prove what he's worth because I do think there's a lot of talent there. And obviously the last name is super cool to have in the sport. So expecting decent things from the team. I think they should be trying to compete with, like, you know, I think they should definitely be handedly taking care of Foyt Carlin and Ed Carpenter Racing. So that's kind of their benchmark there 
If you had to pick between Ed Jones, Grosjean, and Fittipaldi, who is most likely to score a surprise top five this year? Solely because of sample size, I'm going to go with Grosjean because Fittipaldi only has four outings to do it, and I just think that's kind of a lofty expectation. They did not look great in the NDF 500 testing either, and I know it's just testing, but they just didn't seem like they had it together, unfortunately. So Grosjean, you never know. This is why Detroit's on the schedule. You just never know. So what about you? What do you think? I'll take Ed Jones, mainly just to so we can we can one of us can be right and one of us can be wrong. But he is an Indy Lights champion and, and did finish third in his other Indy Lights here. So he's he's got the pedigree to do it and and is familiar with I mean most of these tracks. I did want to correct you. There since his team got sold or did not run last year. The only race he has run since the 2019 IndyCar season was actually the Rolex 24 a couple months ago, and 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 they didn't have a good finish. So it's been a Who's while this? for him. So I might uh, Ed Jones. He had no racing last year in 2020. Uh, you mentioned DTM, which was on the calendar, was and then I thought oh, it was okay. Uh, yeah, I might have. Yes, been he did sign, and then 2020 possible. happened. He 2020 yeah. happened, and Ed Jones probably just got kind of lost in the shuffle. But hey, I'm glad he's got a home back in IndyCar again. So yeah, fit a yeah, happy DTM for a little bit, which is what I think I said. So moving on yeah, to un- unfortunately my uh, my my low prediction here at Carpenter Racing. So they have a same lineup, no changes. They got Renus VK full time, Connor Daly in the road courses and Indy 500. And Ed Carpenter on the ovals. Ed Carpenter did retain himself. So that's good news for Ed Carpenter racing. <laughs> I on, I mean, obviously, we just had the Indy 500 test. And VK crashed. Great start to the year for them. Which is weird because how, how far into the... I know there was... No, there wasn't. There was testing a little bit. Right? Last year, the Coda. And then the that pandemic was it. happened. And I'm assuming VK made it through Coda fine, but like, you know, 10 minutes into the Texas. Oh, no, did he crash in qualifying? VK crashed yes. somewhere in Texas. In, in qualifying. It, or was it that, that first practice? I don't know. Last That was a long, that was like six years ago, yeah, practically. So long ago. At this but he point. crashed kind of in the first day of <laughs> the first oval yeah. last year, too. Yeah. So obviously, kind of a bad omen again. So they, VK had a pull last year. Yep. And, that was about it. So what does this do? Correct. A, is the team going to improve? And B, what do they need to do to improve? They need to qualify better to improve. I, I don't know what I don't know what the magic secret is, but outside of VK's poll last year, their qualifying efforts were pretty dismal. Even in even at Indy, where at least you know two years ago what Ed was on poll, all three of their Danica was was fifth, so we're you know going back to 2018, and whoever their other driver was was qualified very well as well. So you know they just completely have fallen off the map. So I think they just need to qualify. If they qualify better, they'll just finish better. And and I don't you know maybe a little bit more practice this year will will help them. So that's why I'm putting them. Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. 
Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Jo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. Above Carl and Foyt, just because maybe a little more practice helps them. But yeah, I I don't know, man. Like you said, this... I don't I don't have the warm and fuzzies when it comes to this team. No. And it's sad cuz I do like VK and Connor. Ed, I could take or leave. But uh yeah. VK and Connor, I really like them as drivers and people and I think they're really fun and good for the sport. It's just kind of a shame that this team is just kind of on this downward spiral and you know, mediocrity is going to be okay with them because they got to got that behind the scenes funding that's just going to kind of help them through these tough times but i just i don't know if because newgarden had a pretty solid foundation with his engineer uh back in the day with carpenter so it seemed like everything was kind of just pretty good and then newgarden left Pickett came in for the road courses and he did he had a couple really good drives but just as a whole the team just i don't know just it never worked since Newgarden has left and a couple good showings here and there, but man, I think, I don't know if it's behind the scenes thing or just kind of off season damper testing. I don't know if they need to buy Penske's dampers, which I guess is the move nowadays or whatever. They sold the shocks to Carlin. So something, gotta they got to do something because yeah, you can't just kind of keep trying to do what you're doing. Cause it's not working. You got to try something else or do something else. Cause otherwise you're just going to keep on the same path. Up next, we are down to just a few more left. Meyer Shank Racing and our content partner for the year. So you'll hear the first Meyer Shank Racing with PLP episode. You might have already heard it, or it'll be out tomorrow. It depends. I mean, we on... can always say nice things now. I'm. I mean, to a degree. I mean, I know. I know where you're going with this one, but uh, I'll have. I'll be talking to Jack Harvey during the day on monday so i you know i'll put this out on wednesday so yeah so it'll be out after the preview but i i hope they are uh, actually sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i will let you make your your thoughts on them first before we uh we dive in and obviously they've added elio part-time he's doing six races five races including the 500 so cool to see them at Elio, even though it's the first time in like 50 years he hasn't been on a Penske t- on a Penske car, so that's 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 definitely weird. But 
What are your MSR thoughts? Is this where I'm like a smart ass and say that Elliot ran for McLaren last year? Oh, yeah, good point. Anyway, nothing for it. Neither here nor there. <laughs> yes, uh, Meyer Shank, we got a partnership with them this year. So here we go. Jack Harvey, outstanding human, great driver. Uh, obviously, the affiliation with the team to Andretti Autosport is great for them. Uh, Jack was doing a very good job of mixing it up with some of the top guys last year. Just kind of had a lot of bad luck here and there during the season. And hopefully he can continue some of that strong pace that we've seen. Elio, proven Indy 500 winner. Really great off the track. A really great promoter of the sponsors and the team. Uh, always has that positive attitude outside the car. Uh, has a great helmet design. <laughs> Uh, very slick we dance moves. I know yeah, I'm trying like really hard here. My, you, I hope someone from Meyer Shank is listening here. Uh, I'm doing my best for you guys. I guess, okay, this is the only thing I'll say about Elliot. I think I've said it before. Is Jack, if you are listening, please do not take championship advice from Elio. That's all I'm going to say. Fair enough. I hope this team is battling in the Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan you know, in that in that just below the top three team range this year, especially with the second year of the Andretti partnership. And and if if Jack can just have a few less issues that totally aren't his fault. And think about you know, Texas, for example, last year. Texas, that team had had never run Texas before last year, and it was twenty twenty. So they pretty much just went in it with a let's just run this like it's practice and you know jack finished a couple laps down and just kind of kept it clean now they've got that under their belt so they should be somewhat competitive you would think so i hope they can battle for that you know fourth or fifth in the in the team standings by by the end of the year and i think i think jack has the talent to do so yes on to Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. So the defending Indy 500 champions return with their two full-time drivers, Graham Ray Hall, Takuma Sato. Kind of get the sense that every season it feels like it may be Takuma Sato's last. Just don't know. It's kind of just the vibe we keep getting from Sato's camp is that might be his last year. We just don't know. And then, like we mentioned earlier in the episode, they did add Santino Ferrucci in the high V car for the Indy 500. Again, Ray Hall has been doing a phenomenal job of their sponsorship signings and liveries this offseason. Their liveries look real good. So really excited to see those at the track. So yeah, they like we talked about earlier, they were kind of in the conversation of the big three for sure last year. So do we see the team kind of staying in that region? Yes, I think they can definitely battle with the big three. Again, they uh, Graham just needs to keep that qualifying be- a little bit better than it was, and I know his qualifying was definitely better last year than it had been in in the previous years. So, listen, they'll battle for race wins here and there. They'll definitely battle for podiums. Sato and Ray Hall, and maybe even Ferrucci should be you know, top ten ish favorites for the five hundred, just because that team is pretty much all the same even all the engineers for the most part which is vitally important in indycar so i think they're in a good spot this year which means we'll wrap it up with the big bad team penske new garden uh newcomer scott mclaughlin will power simon pagino which means they are 
technically back to four cars with McLaughlin full-time. Obviously, they are also affiliated with Peretta Autosport and Simona Di Silvestro for the 500 and are also kind of helping the USF 2000 team uh, force race uh, in force. Oh, what's that? Na- what's that name again? Force Indy. Why am I drawing a oh, blank on it in the? Yeah, I think it's Force, force Indy. Force Indy. I I really wanted to say yes, Force Indy. I really wanted to say Force India, <laughs> and uh, I'm getting my I'm getting my open wheel motorsports confused in, in in the wee hours of of Sunday night here. So, with that being said, I know. Will Power and I think Pagano are on the last year of their contracts. If I'm if if we've kind of read between the lines a few times, I know Power is. Pagano might have another year on top of that, but I think it's his last year. New Garden. I think they're all close to contract years. So with that being said, Matt, what are your thoughts on Penske this year? Can they can they take back that drivers championship from Ganassi? Yeah, uh, yes. And I think I have Will Power. I th- think I admitted it was my championship prediction this year. So obviously Newgarden's been the leader of this team for the last couple of years. And I think it's time for Will Power to kind of reassert his authority over the team. I think the one possible uh, hindrance in that plan would be Tim Sindrick. Ever since Sindrick has been on Newgarden's box, there's just been great strategy call after great strategy call that's helped out New Garden. Power, unfortunately, just kind of doesn't get those same calls that go his way nowadays as much. Uh, McLaughlin, oh, we'll talk about him in a little bit, I guess. And then Simon Pagano, I, it's almost got to be kind of to that point where it's put up or shut up. And he's just had too many meh showings the last two years. And as we kind of, we talked about you know, Team Penske and their driver situation a ton of times last season. And I was honestly surprised that they kept all of the three guys. We thought McLaughlin was going to kick one of them out. So here we are again. And I do still think that Simon's going to be kind of on the short end of the stick here. So that's kind of a bummer. I'm glad they're affiliating with Peretta, though. That's super cool. I wish Team Penske would do that more often. To my memory, you know, there was Carl Hogan's effort that they kind of partnered with and Luso Dragon, but that kind of doesn't count because it was Jay Penske. So, of course, <laughs> like, of course, Roger's going to help out his kid when it comes to the sport um, in his part-time entry, which started in 07. So that's super cool. I hope Simona gives it a great run. But, uh, yes, I think if Will Power can avoid a bad strategy call here and there by his box i think he can definitely still wheel it with the best of them and we can safely say that between the four of them they will combine for what do you think in 17 races at least half of the pole awards pole penske's oh all, yeah 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 not not, not still talking wins just they're always pole, quick on yeah, in qualifying 11 or 12 i oh oh okay. no it's not st pete first because i'm like guess who's gonna win pole <laughs> guess who's not going to win the race every yeah. year um all right you ready for some predictions yeah let's do it let's let's make right. me look silly again like usual should i just go ahead and pencil you and rossi for champion yeah that's you read you my mind two, i'm like that's what you said two weeks ago 
Okay. I wish I was yeah, that cool with a mind reader, but you just said that. I'll not too. I was honestly, I was very concerned how you you knew that because I don't remember making that prediction, but that is what I was going to make anyway. So, yeah. Yep. Um, and then I have willpower for those who just missed it. Uh, rookie of the year, you had Cody Ware, correct? Uh, no, that's definitely not what I had. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure the pretty sure Twitter would have a meltdown if I picked him for for rookie of the year. Then you should just do it and then watch the world burn. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't know how you pick against McLaughlin. I don't know how either of us here pick against McLaughlin considering he's the only rookie that's running all 17 races. So he should pick up some points just by default when those other guys don't. So if he doesn't win, win rookie of the year, he's going to have a very bad year. Yes, I'm also going to go with McLaughlin. I'm going to slightly change the next one here. I'm going to go with, I've had team with the biggest rise in standings, but how about entrant that has the biggest rise in standings? So, for example, now that Hinch is in the 26 car, does the 26 car the go, or 29? Who's in 26? Oh, yeah. Herda. So now that Herd is in the 26 car, you know, the 26 car was probably like, what, 21st in the leader circle last year. Some are way down there. Yeah. And now, like this year, if they finished 10th, that would have meant they rose 11 spots. So which entrant do you think is going to rise the most i kind of probably just use a bad example because that's probably one that should be floating to the top of our list yeah i'm trying to not pick that one because you use it as an example but oh go ahead yeah i'll take i'll take the 26 car going from veach to herda obviously herda won once last year let's Uh, see here yeah won once last year had a second place at IMS, had a handful of top fives. Really, only, outside of Iowa, was damn consistent all season. So I, I will go 26, the 26 car. And then I'm going to go with the 29 car. So I'm assuming we're going to count like Andretti as that entry last year. That's fair. And then because it was full-time, so... Basically, Marco Andretti to James Hinchcliffe, I think, is going to do uh, great things for that car. I think they'll go, well, especially since Marco was last. <laughs> so so <laughs> they have nowhere to go but up, literally. Uh, and then on the flip side, and then we're going to change it again. So entrance, okay. that's going to fall the most. Wow. Okay. How How bold should I be here? I'm looking at, at the 2020 standings. Let's let's say let's let's be real bold here. And strange, I'm putting in this real bold request right after I reached out to schedule an interview in the coming weeks. Let's do Joseph Newgarden. Let let's say he Oof. just has has a little bit of a rough year. You know, it's been three or four years in a row where he's been. P1 or P2 in the standings, I guess four years in a row, technically, since he's had two championships in the last four years. So maybe he just drops to seventh or eighth this year. Interesting. I I know that's a, I know that's a very hot take, and I like Joseph, so I'm sorry in advance. I'm just trying to think here. This is, a t- gonna... this is tougher than I expected it to be. Yeah, because it's kind of like you got to pick someone maybe somewhere towards the top. And you're basically like asking like who's going to tank a little bit this year. I am going to say, I'm sorry, who'd you say? Newgarden. Okay, I'm going to say Herda. Okay. Which 
Oh, no, that's the 26. Oh, because he was 88 last year. I can't say that then. Never mind. Sorry. Ignore that. These All these number changes that Andretti Autosport just confuse <laughs> me. Then I will say, I mean, maybe a modest downfall here, but again, I don't really have the whole lot of faith in Ed Carpenter Racing. So I think, or maybe actually, sorry, I'll, I was going to say Renus, but Renus, go get him. I have faith in you. I'm going to say the Dale Coin entry, Santino Ferrucci to Ed Jones, I think okay. has a chance. I don't, I don't, the Jones pick doesn't excite me very much. So I just don't see that uh, be going their way as much as people would like. So I think that one will regress a little bit. All right. Who is, <laughs> if applicable, who's going to be the first one fired this year? First driver. <laughs> Let's see. I don't, I don't want to be too obvious. There's some low hanging fruit that you could pick. I don't want to do that. Let's say that, man, I don't, I really don't know. There's there's nothing on this one that's jumping out to me at all. Do you want, do you want to take a stab at this first? I'm just going to say Polo, just because who the heck knows out of that team. He gets like three races in and three crashes, and Ganassi's just going to get rid of him immediately. All right, I'll go Marcus Erickson just because I really, I honestly, I've been looking at at the driver list for this year for off and on essentially for the last like four hours, and I still haven't come up with a good answer for this one. So, yeah. All right, the one we did for Formula One. Will the schedule make it through without any cancellations? Oh, most certainly not. Yes, because we know Toronto exists, so no. Yes, Toronto, yeah. So, including Jack Harvey, so we're talking five cars, where does Hinch finish within the Andretti Autosport stable just between those five? First, second, third, fourth, fifth. He will finish third behind Rossi and Herta. And I'll be the Debbie Downer and say fifth. Oh, rough. Yes. All right. Get down Jack Harvey and Hunter Ray. Hunter Ray's also got some bad luck. Will Scott McLaughlin outscore a Penske teammate? Not counting Simona. Well, <laughs> well I, I know where you're going with this one, so I'm going to say no. How did you know I was going to say yes? <laughs> because I, I I know you're not going to pick him over Pagano, so. Well, I like Simon, though. But yes, I do have McLaughlin beating Pagano on the points. Uh, first driver outside of Ganassi, Penske, and Andretti Autosport most likely to win. Pato. Hmm. I'm going to go Ray Hall. Okay. All right. First, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Will Foyt Enterprises get a podium this year? Most certainly not. All right, Bourdais. No, 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 no. I'm already, I'm already, in my, I'm already halfway through my sentence. I'm looking at okay. you, Bourdais. I'm definitely not looking at you, Dalton Kellett. Sebastian, do me proud. Make me right on this one because Mike already said no. All right. <laughs> Yikes. Soon. I know. Uh, well, know. I mean, it's actually not a bad bet to say no. <laughs> I think you're going to be right on this one. Who's the first first-time winner this year if we get one? So if I'm saying the first driver outside of one of those most likely to win is Pato, it would probably make sense that I also pick Pato here. Yeah, yes, your logic does hold up there. That's for sure. Graham Reinhold's won a race, right? right? That, that was our guy. Yes. Man, I really want to say Connor, but I just, just 
don't have the faith, unfortunately. Who does that leave? You've got you've got Harvey, Harvey Polo, Kellett, Chilton, Hildebrand. God no. All right, we will. All right, I'm going. I think I picked Renus. Harvey last year too. No, I'm gonna go Harvey. All right, have my back on that one. How many top 15s will Dalton Kellett get? One. Oh, it's, oh man. Yeah, I just you know I have to be different than you. <laughs> There's 17 races, put... high sample. I'm gonna go two. Yeah, one. Really going on a ledge there. <laughs> yeah, we we got real crazy with that prediction. Everybody's gonna be like, oh my god, they are crazy. Yes. All right, last one. How many laps into the season does Matt make fun of defy everything? A zero. Oh, first lap? I don't even think we get to the race. Like it'll be practice. Oh, I've already or qualifying. done it, so I guess. Yeah. As soon as the green yeah, flag I... drops, how long? Oh, as soon as the green flag drops, I'll give it so Barber is what, ninety laps? I'll give it forty laps. Okay, and I will not answer just for the sake of that. And I will probably forget about this as soon as we're done here. So we'll see how long I make it. <laughs> okay. Well, that is our IndyCar season preview. So thank you guys so much for listening to that. So we're going to really quick toss it over to Mike. All right. So I'll leave the Barber preview here for you, Matt, so you can give your predictions first. Obviously, it was not on the 2020 calendar because it was one of the first races uh, cut when COVID hit. So if we're going back to 2019, Takuma Sato won, Graham Ray Hall was second, Scott Dixon was third, Hinchcliffe was fourth, and Sebastian Bourdais was fifth. So let's see here. 20,000 fans are expected this weekend. I think Pitts and Paddock will be closed probably for most of this year, but definitely for Barber. Do you think Barber is an ideal place for IndyCar to open its season, maybe going forward if, if this weekend is a good one? No, not really. But uh, it does have the potential to put on a good show. It has it a couple times in the past. Uh, it's not like Texas was all that amazing, though, as the opener last year either. So, you know, I think St. Pete was always a good one. Or Long Beach would be a good one. But obviously there's circumstances there out of our control. So I think it'll still be fun. I think it's it's going to generate a lot of excitement for the fans. So I think that's always positive. Yeah, it's tough. I think in a normal, quote-unquote, normal year, maybe, yeah, there's there's tons to do at Barber. There's a lot going on. It's a good atmosphere for an opener. This year, yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's, it's The racing is solid, I will say. It, it could be fun this year, being that they weren't there. there they weren't there last year. A lot of teams did testing there over the offseason, so they've got some data. So I'll give it potential. Now, which rookie rookie does the best? Now, I'm going to throw Scott McLaughlin in here, too. Actually, no, we won't throw Scott McLaughlin in here. We'll just do the part-timers. Grosjean or Jimmy Johnson? Grosjean. Does that mean I have to pick Jimmy? Because I really don't want to. Yes. Okay, Jimmy. Jimmy Johnson. This is the least excited go. I've ever been for a prediction because I I agree with you, Grosjean, but for the sake of... Not agreeing with the all-go Jimmy Johnson. All right, we've got a few predictions here to round out. And just so everybody 
is aware the race this weekend is 3.30 p.m. on NBC. Qualifying starts Saturday evening at 5.55 p.m. on Peacock. Practice is... There's only two practices. Both are are Saturday, sorry, at 11 a.m. to 40 p.m. So it's, as as you may have seen in the news about a month or so ago, most of the road course events are just two days this this year. So kind of a condensed and, and crazy day. And honestly, I totally forgot about that until I looked at the weekend events this year. So, Matt, who's having a good opening weekend? Uh, this is uh, Joseph Newgarden's backyard, so I think this this guy's got this place figured out, and he's got a lot of momentum from last year, so I do think Joseph Newgarden's going to have a very good weekend. I am going to go Pato Award. I'm pretty sure he did very well in his Indy Lights day and uh, runs there. I know he ran there with Carlin in 2019, I think. I think. Yeah, we can. I don't remember. Enough, though. Yeah, but at least he got the experience of the track. Yeah, so that's that's sure. what I'm going with. Uh, who has a rough weekend, Matt? Who's just, who's going to stink it up? And remember, there is no low hanging fruit right now because it is the opening weekend of the season. Easy enough, then. Don't kill it. There we go. Who do you All got? All right. All right. So again, for those wondering, because it is the start of the season, nobody's considered low-hanging fruit until after the first weekend. That is our newly established rules for the year. I am going to say that, I'm sorry, Connor, the mullet is is not going to help you this weekend. I just think that car is not going to have a good one. And your dark horse, let's say dark horse top top eight finisher. Finish in the top third of the field. I will say Marcus Erickson. Oh, okay. I let's see. Let me look at the list here. Who would be considered a dark horse? I I I really want to go real wild with this one. Do it. So full send. Full send. I kind of changed my mind as I said that. Like I realized what I was thinking in my head, and I was like, "That's a terrible idea." I'm gonna go Ed Jones. Full send. Yeah, it's, it's like 98% send. Yeah. Sweet. Well, IndyCars this weekend, so that's super exciting. And Formula 1 at Imola. So yeah. So we have another another preview coming up later this week. So uh, you're super excited for the race, I'm assuming, right? I'm I'm excited. It's going to be a fun weekend, just literally racing all day, Saturday and Sunday. Obviously, F1 and IndyCar, so it's... It's my dream weekend where we just get to sit around and watch racing all day. Guys, stay tuned for the Jack Harvey interview. Try to get as much stuff to you over the weekend as possible online. And uh, obviously, neither of us will be there. The first race, either of us will be in person. is probably Matt in Texas, and it'll be kind of a last-minute thing most of this year. But Follow along with us all, all all season. We should have plenty of awesome stuff and plenty of interviews coming up in the you know next couple of weeks, which I'm really excited about. And thank you for listening to our preview episodes. These are really fun to do. I love making predictions because usually I'm terribly wrong. And I do enjoy laughing at myself a little bit at this point. It's been like four years, and I, I don't think I've come close on most of these predictions. So 
Oh, and also, if you want, we do have a pit lane parlay fantasy IndyCar league on the IndyCar app. I don't know how to send a link to make it easy to join the league because it's technically a private league. But if you just DM me, Matt, or the podcast your email address, I will send you an invite to that as well. I think we have 10 or 12 people on there already just without any promotion behind it so far. So join in and and hang out on there. And I think that's it. So guys, let's enjoy some racing this weekend. We'll be back next week to break it all down. Today's podcast was presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. If you're a podcaster, you can apply too immediately and get connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Go to podgo.co at podgo.co and let them know that we sent you there. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.